So guys, one of the best events of the year is coming up. I'm talking about HubSpot's annual Inbound Conference in Boston. Inbound is the event of the year for business leaders working in marketing, sales, customer service, and operations, and much more. You can discover all the latest must-know trends and tactics that you can actually put into place to scale your business in a sustainable way. And I think you'll love it. So make sure you mark your calendars for September 5th through 8th, 2023. You'll be able to catch talks from amazing talent like Yvette Noel Shore. Yes, the Yvette, Beyonce's advisor and publicist, plus Guy Raz, Morgan DeBond, and so much more with multiple stages featuring industry experts and tracks from sales strategy to AI and innovation. You'll walk away with practical tips that you can put into action right away. Plus, you'll connect with other leaders from some of the most exciting and innovative companies in the world. This year is going to be unforgettable. So tickets are selling out fast. Head over to inbound.com to get yours today. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Hey friends, hey, it's Nikayla here and I am back with another episode of Side Hustle Pro. This time in the guest chair, I have Len Ellis, who is the co-founder and CEO of Everlasting Love Fulfillment. Everlasting Love is a brand-centric third-party logistics partner, aka 3PL, that considers itself an extension of its partnering brands. So it provides next-level fulfillment services to e-commerce brands that go above and beyond just shipping your packages. Their approach is to fashion a unique and memorable unboxing experience for the customer by offering a suite of services to partner brands. Things like branded packaging, customer support, and email marketing that then carries the message of that brand from order to delivery and beyond. And as one of the only Black women-owned companies in the market, Everlasting Love is dedicated to being the solution to the shipping woes that specifically happen for Black and minority founders, providing them the runway to grow and to scale their businesses to new glass ceiling breaking heights. I love this conversation with Len. I learned so much. I hope this opens up some opportunities for you guys as you listen to this conversation. So let's get right into it. All right, all right. Welcome to the guest chair at last, Lynn. <laughs> we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but that's all right. I always say interviews that start like that are just the best ones. So if anything, you know, it makes you more relaxed. You're like, what else could go wrong? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so... As I was telling you before we started, I learned about you through many of the Side Hustle Pro guests who are using your service, Everlasting Love, for fulfillment. And I just had to know more about this Black woman-owned, Black woman-led 3PL company. So before we get into what is 3PL and what you do, I'd love to know more about your background. I see you have a long career and customer experience. I'm curious, what did you originally envision for your life and career? 
so I actually studied vocal performance in college. Um, so my goal was not to be here in this world, but it was to be an opera singer. Um, but wow. right, sometimes life takes you in a, in a different journey. So yeah. I originally thought that I would be somewhere touring the world singing opera and not um, packaging boxes all day. <laughs> That is so unexpected. So how <laughs> how did you end up packing boxes? It's a great question, right? Um, so I actually explored the um, starving artist life. I lived in New York for a couple of years, and then I came back home, which is Arkansas. Um, and I was looking for something different, completely outside of my major. What I knew was customer experience. What I knew well was how to serve clients and how to serve customers. So after I retired right from being a starving artist, I said, okay, <laughs> let me look for jobs and positions. And I came across this job at a logistics company, had no idea what a 3PL was then. Um, and they were just looking for a customer experience manager. So I applied, went to North Carolina, had an interview, ended up moving to North Carolina to Raleigh um, to take this position at this third party logistics company. Um, my very first day was I, you know, I walk in, I'm dressed up, I'm cute, got my heels on, I'm a boss. <laughs> Tomorrow, wear tennis shoes because you're going to be in the house. And I thought, I'm sorry, do we what? Um, and so, you know, that is kind of where I got bit by this logistics bug. The world mm -hmm. is ever evolving. It's ever moving. There's something different um, to solve every day, a new fire that's going to pop up. And it was really just interesting getting to interact with a number of different clients that were producing these consumer packaged good brands, um, anywhere from watches, T-shirts wrapping paper. So it kind of ran the gamut. And every day I was, you know, servicing those clients the best way I knew how, packaging packages, counting inventory, climbing on pallet racking, looking for things. Um, and so that's really kind of where it was like, oh, I, I enjoy this world. And you're good at it. Before you got that job, though, what was the customer experience background that you had? Was it restaurants while you were a starving artist or what? It was a little bit of that. I actually worked at a call center while I was a starving oh. artist. Um, yeah. There is the I've fallen and I can't get up people. If you've ever ah. seen like the help button people. So I worked um, in, in New York in, for them. Um, and so prior to that, when I was in North Carolina, I worked for mm -hmm. a call center. Um, I worked for AT&T in their call center and was a manager there. So that was really kind of, you know, where my experience came from in the customer service world. You see, never discount those experiences in the moment. You're like, what am I doing here now? It's what true. does this have to do with my life? Anything. You just never know what it's leading to. So Very what true. is it about logistics that made you get into your groove that you just really loved about it? It's the people, um, to be very honest. That company that I worked for in North Carolina was about 11 years old, but still very scrappy, still very okay. startup in mentality. Again, I could find myself doing a number of different things on a daily basis. And it really was being able to see those small, medium-sized brands grow and evolve mm. from just selling products on their website or selling products at market, and then being able to take that to larger big box retail store shelves. Mm and be a part of that journey is something that I just fell in love with and really wanted to understand and explore like where were black and women owned founders going to do that? Because the world mm -hmm. is very, very heavily um, male dominated in the logistics industry. Really? So at the time, was it mainly like big box brands that you were working with or were you starting to see smaller 
entrepreneurs and small businesses start to work with your company? And that's where you saw the male dominated industry. Yeah. So um, before we started out, you know, on this journey to build everlasting love, we looked to see if there were other black women owned logistics companies out there. And at that time there weren't. Um, and even while we worked for that company and had over 150 clients, we had one black client the entire six years I was there. Um, and this is, you know, wow. these brands were small startup brands to really large brands that were nationwide in target. We did a lot with Good Morning America deals and steals at that particular company. So there was a lot of high volume um, sellers, but literally only mm -hmm. one black customer. And it was Jackie at Green Top Gifts. <laughs> Shout out to Jackie. Go back yep. and listen to her episode. We'll link it. Now, okay, so what was the journey from you're working for another company to deciding to start your own, you and Jerrica deciding to start Everlasting Love? It was a couple of things. So Jackie, um, Green Top Gifts called and they were leaving. Yeah. Um, so they decided they wanted to part ways with the fulfillment center that I was working for. Um, my boss at the time was very much like, you need to take that personal, like they're leaving you. And I was like, they're not, I don't own this what? company. <laughs> leaving me. But as a black woman, it was my responsibility to keep this black client for life. Right. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I started taking that to heart and realized that, like, do you actually care about me here in the position that I am and trying to help you grow this business? Or is it just I'm just a face? And that I should be able to retain a black client because I'm black. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so we really wanted to understand, like, what are black women, minority founders doing for fulfillment? Are they doing it themselves? Because the vast majority of founders are solopreneurs um, and they don't have the ability, the cash flow, the bandwidth to try to build this on their own. So they end up bootstrapping and they're packaging, you know, their shipments in their garage or their basement or their spare bedroom um, because there's a, a tremendous tremendous misconception that fulfillment is really expensive and something that you can't afford. And again, we started doing some research. We had been there about six years, had learned a lot of the good, the bad, the ugly, um, and started very much. I started to feel like it was a place that I no longer belonged. It was very difficult um, leaving there because I thought that I would you know, help these people build something incredible and build something great. But then when it, it changed, it changed really quickly. Um, and so we started trying to figure out how to do this on our own. What what steps do we take? How do we get clients? Right. Where do we go? Um, That's what we, I'm trying to find out, Lynn. <laughs> where, where, how do you start this business? All right. What, what did that look like? First of all, how much money does it take to start uh, a 3PL company? Yeah. So we started in my spare bedroom. We did not <laughs> immediately go out and like find this huge building because uh -huh. um, I left that logistics company and started working for an email marketing company. And at the time I left, it was really just a thought for us. It was something that we thought we could do. But once we left, I left first. And then Jerrica came with me to the same email marketing company. One of the reasons for that was Jackie said that they were moving to a 3PL that was more full service. They could handle their okay. fulfillment. They could handle their customer service. They could handle their email marketing campaigns. And we thought maybe there's something to that. If we're going to build okay. this, then less learn all the aspects of it so that we could be really well-rounded. We knew how to do fulfillment. We knew how to do customer experience, but email marketing was something neither of us had ever done. So we left, 
started working on email marketing and maybe two months later, a client reached out to Jerrica on Facebook Messenger and said, where did y'all go? What are you doing? We want to go. <laughs> where, I, that's like when your favorite hairdresser leaves <laughs> the shop. You're like, where are you now? I have gone to people's houses. Like, no, I'll come to your house. Exactly. <laughs> so that's literally what people say. <laughs> yeah, that's literally what yeah. they did. And so we were like, oh, shoot. We need to, mm-hmm. you know, get this train moving. That was probably spring. We kept having conversations with them to understand. We knew what their needs were. We knew them very well, mm-hmm. very intimately um, to try to understand how can we provide, you know, how can we service your needs? Because we don't have 20, 30,000 square foot of warehouse space. We got right. my spare bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> And so that's literally what we did. We um, established our LLC in May of 2019. Oh, no, 2018. 2018. Okay. So how did you start to manage these businesses that couldn't fit in your bedroom, though? So from the bedroom, we had to evolve to the garage. <laughs> we, okay. we literally just kept growing very small. One thing I learned is I'm terrified of overspending. I know that, you know, headcount and payroll is expensive. Warehouses are expensive. So I really wanted us to be able to save as much money in that first year or two of business in order for us to be able to go out and to afford to be able to be in a warehouse. And that's exactly what we did. We were in North Carolina, my spare bedroom. We moved to Georgia. We moved into my basement. And at that time, we had three clients all floating around in my basement. What I'm trying to understand is what this really means. So when you're fulfilling on behalf of a client and you're starting out of your home, so are you then taking on a whole bunch of inventory? Then you have access to the customer purchase like the website Shopify or whatever as soon as the purchase comes in you have access to that to start the fulfillment how does it work yeah so that's exactly what we did Um, at that point we started looking for a warehouse management software system which is basically Mm -hmm. a place to manage inventory for multiple clients and they are very expensive Um, at that Uh, time with two clients it was something we couldn't afford so we were literally mm -hmm. logging into the back of their Shopify channels every day and checking their orders Jerica and I are still both working full-time at this point we had also taken on a customer service client so we were (laughs) literally answering customer service tickets and emails while at work and right after work We went to my house and we started packing orders. We became very intimately involved with the post office and the people, (laughs) UPS and FedEx that would come and literally pick packages up from my house or we would load them in the back of our cars and drop them off at the post office every night. I'm just trying to imagine the scale of this. So as these clients get more and more successful and more and more orders come in, what did you do? So that's when we knew push came to shove um, and Uh we could no longer fit anything in my basement. Then we were to a point where, okay, if we want to start taking on larger clients, then we have Mm -hmm. to have a warehouse space to be able to get a trailer into a neighborhood is impossible. Um, Uh And so we started looking to sublease space is how we started here in Georgia. Um, We subleased a portion of someone else's larger warehouse. And it was great because he had a bunch of space and he had just allowed us to like, 
like expand a couple of thousand square feet at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, So it gave us right the look and feel of a really large company while we were still able to grow and scale. And even at that time, we were both still working full time jobs. It was very hard to let go of your full time gig and really take a leap of faith. But Mm -hmm. I got laid off. And so I think the God was like, all right, girl. Pushed you on out that door. <laughs> well, so what's the difference in cost for subleasing versus buying a warehouse? Yeah, subleasing for us made sense um, because you were paying just per square foot that you use. And so we mm-hmm. had the opportunity to say, okay, we got X number of pallets coming in. That's 200 more, you know, 100 square foot. And I could go to the guy we were leasing from and say, I got a truckload coming in. Can I expand? Um, Now we're in our own space. And the biggest difference is overhead. Rent is extremely, you know, expensive on on a warehouse facility. You think about, you know, your your electric bill at home at times that Mm -hmm. 15 times to operate 30,000 square foot, which is the amount of space that we occupy right now. I am just so impressed. So you got laid off. What about Jerrica? Did she get laid off too? Like when when did you guys go full-fledged, full-time with this? She did not get laid off. She held on longer um, than I did, (laughs) for sure. And she was so, part of the transition was I moved to Georgia um, and Jerrica was still in North Carolina. So we were operating the business from two different places, which meant that Jerrica took on everything customer service related and was managing all those clients. She was our customer service rep. She was managing the clients, answering tickets. And then on the flip side, I was here in Georgia fulfilling orders, receiving inventory. So for a very long time, about three years to almost three years, we were the only two employees that we had um, managing like six clients on both sides. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, it took a lot for her to say, okay, you know, and and we really just had to make sure it made sense. um, Because, you know, at the previous 3PL, the last thing I wanted to do is we didn't want to jump out there and not be able to to support ourselves mm-hmm. and support you mm-hmm. know our lives, let alone not be able to support the clients that we have brought on. So it was a really hard decision. I'm so impressed by your commitment to doing as much on your own so you didn't overspend before growing slowly. Mm-hmm. But how were you really literally packing them all yourself or were you managing, you know, volunteers at times or contractors at times? No, literally packing them all myself. Um, my husband would come and pack orders, <laughs> literally packing them all ourselves until I would say the switch for us was really immediate. Um, when mm-hmm. growth really just happened and took off, it was around um, George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and there being yeah. such a huge right presence put on buying black and supporting black owned brands that we yeah. took on a marketplace and then she started yeah. referring the vendors that she had. Um, uh-huh. And it really from that point on it was like oh shoot I can't do this by myself we need employees um, wow. but even then I was still very terrified because payroll is a heavy lift and you don't want to bring oh, on yeah. people and not be able to, to sustain mm. supporting them so when did you start bringing them on um, it was 2020 when we started bringing them on. I have a friend who had a daughter that was out of school for summer. She was 15 years old. So she came and lived with me that summer. So our first official employee 
was one of my best friend's daughters. And so for a while, it was just it was just her and I trying to manage it all for a while. And then I realized like, okay, this is bigger than just the two of us. And so I started bringing on probably two more people um, at that time that were both in college and it was summer break. And then. Yeah, so it was about five of us in a six-month period that I was like, okay, we really need all of these people to manage the volume. And what size businesses do you work with and why? Yeah, so when we started out, um, we started with very small startup businesses, which is the same today. Um, We really wanted to be able to provide brands with what I like to call this runway for growth. So being able to take the back end off of you, um, not having to worry about, picking and packing and shipping orders late night and really give founders the opportunity to focus on the brand, focus on marketing, focus on being the face of the brand. Um, And so that really looks like customers that are brand new and have zero orders a month, all the way to customers that have, you know, 10 to 15 to 20,000 orders a month. So it really just kind of depends on where you feel like you need help and and at what point. And what does the process entail? Does everyone have to be shipping all of their products physically from your warehouse? Do you do anything at all with people who also have products that are coming from international places? Yeah, we do. We have several customers that are that way. We have one customer that has a U.S. fulfillment center um, and also has an international fulfillment center. So we Mm -hmm. do. We allow customers to come in. We have some customers that are in big box retail, and that's all they do with us because their website volume is slower, and that's still something that they're handling themselves. We have some that we're just doing Amazon for. So it really just depends on what your needs are and where you need help the most. The Shine Online, hosted by Natasha Samuel, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Natasha interviews the brightest entrepreneurs she knows to bring you no-fluff advice. So honest discussions about the mental health and lifestyle aspect of entrepreneurship and actionable strategies and success stories of those who've mastered the art of shining online. Now, I recently checked out her episode called The Anatomy of a Great In it, Natasha breaks down tips to master short and long form content. And I'm always trying to optimize and make my social media videos as engaging and impactful as possible while also getting people to take action. So this episode was definitely helpful and I think you guys will love it as well. Listen to The Shine Online wherever you get your podcasts. What does someone need to know who's getting into this space of 3PL? I think more awareness is forming around this and it can seem kind of simple, right? Like I'll leave some warehouse space. (laughs) I like packing. I'm good at logistics. I could do this. What does someone really need to know before they get into this? Yeah, um, I think there are a couple of really key things. Inventory management and really understanding how you track your customer's inventory at all times. Knowing where it is 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 a tremendous thing. Um, So inventory management is huge. For us, we managed it with a, you know, small free software until we Mm -hmm. got six clients and we were like, okay, we really have to have a warehouse management software system. Um, So I think software and technology is going to play a huge part into growing a 3PL. 
just so that you can track orders inbound, volume outbound, and really have a pulse on how much inventory your customers have, what needs right. to be ordered when, um, and just allowing them to have visibility to those things at all times. I think relationships is another large one when it comes to 3PL. Being able to build those carrier relationships is very important. We've got reps with both FedEx and USPS and UPS, and those relationships are very valuable to us, especially if packages aren't moving or something's getting lost. Being able to yes. know, like, I can reach out to a person and say, what do I do with my packages? Like, <laughs> what's really happening? Yeah. So I think relationships is another really big part. And I think slow rolling it because space is expensive and mm-hmm. cash flow is slow in this business. So, you know, for yeah. us, we are essentially paying for all of our customer shipping up front and then they're paying us back. So you really mm-hmm. want to make sure that you ease into this, not to overwhelm your cash flow. So how do you actually make money? You're making money from their profits and they're paying you back. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so we um, charge an order fee. So we are making money for the labor that is associated with us, packing the order, QCing the order, um, and shipping it out, as well as Uh on the receiving inbound side. So there is cost associated with counting the inventory on the inbound, making sure that there's no damage, making sure that it's up to the customer's quality standards before we ship it out. Um, So that is really how we make money. Um, The margins aren't tremendous. (laughs) It's not, you know, it's not. Not like I could go out and make a product and have a 300% markup. That's not it. It's 12% yeah. is, you know, the industry standard for 3PL. Yeah. It's, it's a 12% margin. Okay. So how do you ensure that you are making a profit? Um, it really is just understanding the projects. Um, volume yeah. is another really big thing um, because once you get into a space, you need to be able to do volume to sustain that space. And mm-hmm. so as long as you can continue to maintain the the state, the space that you're in and really grow your clients or, or bring in more clients that are growing, then that's really once it, it gets profitable. It's really a numbers game. Um, numbers shipping, game. you know, 100 orders out of this location I'm losing, but shipping 100,000 and orders out of this location, you know, there are certain elements that you begin to win in. And do you have more than one location? We only have a single location right now. And I say okay. right now because, you know, it right. definitely is on our roadmap. And one of our goals for the next three years is to have a second location. Yeah, I heard that in your, you know, meeting between <laughs> the lines, like, oh, okay, just just this location for now. For now. <laughs> for now. Yes. On the flip side, I asked you what people need to know before they get into this line of business. But what do businesses who are looking for a 3PL service need to know as well? Yeah, it's a lot about knowing your numbers, understanding your average value for your for your shopping cart. So, you know, if we think about our order fee being three dollars an order and your product is twelve dollars. That feels like a lot of margin that you're losing. But if you can figure out how to be creative and bundle three products, and now you've created a $36 cart Mm. um, and you're still paying the same $3 fulfillment, then that's when it starts to make sense. So it really is about knowing the buying patterns and habits of your customers. And it also comes down to, is this something that as a founder, is it worth your time? Um, Is, you know, a $12, $13 an hour job worth a founder's time that could be out making the business so much more money. Um, So I think that's the other thing to consider is what could I be doing if I were doing this? How could I push Mm -hmm. the business forward if I weren't spending my time doing something that anyone else could do? (music) 
It's funny because as I was researching you, I came across an entrepreneur on YouTube who was talking about, I am, you know, moving all my stuff to everlasting love today. Do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> Her name escapes me at the moment, but she, and, and that's so cool that she does that, but she yeah. was showing how, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to do this and that, and I just can't own this anymore. And mm -hmm. I'm so excited to work with this black woman known company who does this. So how do people know when it's time to let go? You, you talked about the hour. I know you talked about, okay, could I be using my time differently? But I think it's still so scary to, when you don't want to overspend, it's still so scary to go from doing, okay, I know I can package this myself. I know I can just ship this out, drop it off on my way to work. How do you really know when to let go or when to take that leap and have your company do it? Yeah, it's hard um, because I always say like, this is your baby. You're trusting yep. your baby to somebody else to make sure you're going to take care of it. It's going to get where yeah. it needs to go and you're going to help it grow. Yep. Um I, we really see, I would say founders come to us at three different points um, of needing help. Some founders out of the box are like, this is not my wheelhouse. I don't want to figure it out. I don't care to figure it out. Yep. Um, others are at a point where they really are looking for a shift in their business. Maybe they've been mm -hmm. stagnant and their sales have been the same for a period of months and they know that something needs to change. They just don't yep. have the bandwidth to do it. I always yeah. welcome people to come for a visit. I want you to see where your products are going to be. I want you to meet the team. I want people to feel good about the decision you're making because changing 3PLs is something that nobody wants to do <laughs> ever. It is not an easy task, you know, once yep. you're integrated into a system to have to change that. Yep. So I always tell people like, I understand how large of a decision this is for you. And I want to make sure that you're a hundred percent comfortable. And if you're not, that's okay. You know, mm -hmm. maybe you need to think about it a little more. Maybe you need to really dig through the numbers, but it really is that conversation of, are you content with where your business is today? And where could it be if you had the opportunity to devote 100% of your undivided attention to it? Um, and what are your goals? Do you see yourself in big box retail? Do you see yourself, you know, doing more Amazon fulfillment? That mm -hmm. type of thing also plays a part into it just gets to a point where it's no longer scalable for you. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if it's someone that's looking to go into retail, there's even more technology to understand, chargebacks to learn, how does each retailer want to receive their shipments? And so for a lot yeah. of founders, that is also something that comes with additional complexity that yes. you just don't want to spend that time learning. You're talking about like returning orders? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Processing return, every, every part of that, yeah. Yeah, that that sounds like a headache to me. And it's always my fear without my own shop. I'm still just so impressed by the fact that you left this company and your customers came knocking on your door like, hey, <laughs> help us. Um, what is it about your unique personal touch here at Everlasting Love that is different than what other 3PL logistics companies were doing? Yeah, I um, I always like to say, and I stole this from a pastor in North Carolina, that our goal is to be small enough to know you, but large enough to serve you. So mm -hmm. you're going to have a client relationship manager that's going to walk with you every step of the way from onboarding and beyond. 
you can connect with her at any point in time. I also think that Jerrick and I are very accessible, which you don't get with a lot of larger 3PLs. Um, I would say probably 75% of our clients have my cell phone number and can call and text me, you know, at any point if it's like, hey, I have an urgent order I need to get out. So I always want us to maintain that personal touch. I think that's a lot of what draws people to us versus some of the competition is just knowing that you have a place that you can go. We're going to take care of you. And we really care um, about your business and your brand and seeing you grow and seeing you succeed. And we just love to be a part of that story. (laughs) We, I get so much pride and it's a habit. And my daughter always is just like, here you go again. But every Target (laughs) or Walmart store I walk into, I'm looking at the aisles that our customers' products are in. I'm making sure that the bottles are faced to the front or if they're out of stock, you know, whatever it is, because I take pride in knowing that like we are a part of how this got there. And not only do we want you to show up well, you know, in the rest of the world, we want to help you show up, you know, as your best self everywhere. I love it. One of the things you pride yourself on too is really being the solution to the shipping woes of Black and minority founders. What are some of these shipping woes, these biggest challenges that you help to solve for? Yeah, um, a lot of it is cost. Um, so we do have negotiated rates with our carriers that you won't necessarily be able to get on your own because you're not by yourself shipping a ton of volume, as well as just knowing how to get things to where they belong and packaging. Um, we love custom packaging. We always want to make sure, you know, we call it an elevated unboxing experience. So yes. we want packages to arrive to your end users and they're proud, right? These Instagrammable yep. social media moments that they're posting their packages as they arrive and how they present. Um, is one of the other things that we just love. We love helping you curate the experience that you want your clients to have. I love it. I, I think too that, you know, a lot of times, yes, the side hustle experience involves doing a lot on our own in the beginning, but I'm also big on paying people whose zone of genius is something that is not my zone of genius, yes. paying people <laughs> who, and then figuring out how to make the money to have it pay for itself. Yeah. Like, okay, this service costs this. They're taking this amount off top. Like, how can we market? How can we do more business to pay for this? Because I'm never going to be as good at, you know, third-party logistics as Len <laughs> and Jerrica at Everlasting Love. Never, ever, ever. So the longer I keep that in my wheelhouse, yeah. the slower my business will grow, the harder it will be. And, you know, I'm just, it's just not going to work. So... I hope this encourages some of you who are thinking about, okay, when should I, you know, look into this to think there's no, there's no real when it's a decision. It's a decision that you make. And then it's about coming up with a strategy to pay for it, to make sure that, okay, now that I have this, I can fly. I can fly because I'm able to do X, Y, Z and not have to think about this anymore. Yes. A thousand percent. That is absolutely the way it is. And we've seen a lot of success with that. Um, Our very first Mm -hmm. customer now only works four days a week. And he's like, that's in part part thanks to you guys. And we're like, yes, that's our goal one day too, right? Four day work weeks. Um, But yeah, I think that once you get to that point and you really make that decision, um, then, you know, for, for everybody, the sky's the limit. 
Let's talk a little bit about your experience as an entrepreneur now, though. I mean, this is, was this the very first business you ever started? <laughs> so I started, I started two businesses around the same time. One, <laughs> of them, one of them failed miserably. It was a clothing <laughs> boutique. Uh-huh. And I, I honestly don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> what, what inspired the clothing boutique? Um, I, 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 Instagram. I'm pretty Ah. sure sure social media got me and made me think that I could create this clothing brand. I could market it. I have, it was social media. I can't even Uh begin to tell you a lot. It was literally social media that made me think I could do this. I spent months working on it, creating, you know, the fall drop and what these pieces would look like. And we had different Mm -hmm. categories that kind of expressed like different sides of me that I thought would resonate well with other women it was yeah. mostly my my friends my mom <laughs> they were the people that bought the stuff and i was quickly like this isn't it no 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 so what have you learned as an entrepreneur you know what do you like about it versus when you were working for someone else um the journey is hard but rewarding i think especially with the the clothing brand, I can say you see all of these instant successes on social media that aren't really instant. Um, I know a lot of people will say it's just a highlight reel, but I have learned that my race and our race that we're running is our own. Um, You know, one of the things that I've realized is when we started this company, we were the first um, Black women-owned 3PL. Now we're not the only. Um, And so I do take a sense of pride in that and saying that there are others out there, but also it is a very hard lesson to say like, okay, there is competition in this space, but nobody can do what you're doing. Um, And you really just have to focus on what you're doing, how you're building, how you're growing and making sure that you don't worry about the things that you can't control um, around you, I think was a really hard lesson. Like only, only focus on what you can control. And be the best at, you know, those controllable things um, was a lesson. Grow slow, um, I think, was another lesson for us because we grew slow and then it just it it exploded. Um, And because of that fact, I think a little bit in the beginning, we weren't ready for that explosion because it was just me. Um, And, you know, I had to go out and hire more people. So we learned a lot from that. You know, our first holiday season, we learned a tremendous amount about really how to put a plan in place. I am very much a, my husband always says, I am a ready aim. Oh no, I'm a ready fire. There is no aim. Um, (laughs) And so Jerrica is the balance to that. She is definitely a ready aim, re-aim, aim again, and then fire. Um, So I think just having a really strong support system that balances you out, that doesn't allow you to just go, 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 but really helps you put a plan in place to make sure that, you can get to your goals. <laughs> yep, yep. It's been another lesson that I, I would yeah. say I've learned on this journey. Is there a sense of stability now? What are you five years in in terms of <laughs> revenue, making payroll, all those things? There is. Um, now that we're at this point, we have some consistency um, and some studies, which is really nice. There are things that today I don't necessarily worry and cry about as much as I did two years ago. Uh, but there are still 
places that we want to be that I don't think we're at yet. Um, there are growth goals that we haven't hit. Um, and so sometimes that can just honestly be a little discouraging, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to new clients. And as you start to approach larger brands and larger clients, just realizing that sales cycle is slower. I'm the salesperson um, yeah. as well. So realizing that that sales cycle is slower and just knowing what we have to offer. What do you um, mean by the sales cycle is slower for who for the client um a lot of the larger clients that you know we're talking to or approaching are already with a 3pl which again like i've said no one wants to move (laughs) it's an undertaking that if you can avoid it you avoid it at all cost yeah Um, but just knowing that there are brands out there that we can service a lot better um Mm -hmm. than who they're currently with so it just takes a a little bit longer for people to realize like okay i I need to move especially because it is such a large undertaking So now let's jump into the lightning round. You just answer the very first thing that comes to mind. You ready? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Number one, what is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Ooh, um, this is going to sound crazy. Google has been a tremendous resource for uh, us. Um, how so? A lot of things will start there, whether that be looking for grants, trying to find a business coach, um, a lot of things, even comparing softwares and what we should use and how we go about it. Um, Google has been a tremendous help for us. It will take us so far. Um, and then you kind of have to take it the rest of the way yourself by picking up the phone and, you know, following some things through. But I really would say in the beginning, if there was something I did not know, um, Google, and then having a mentor um, was a tremendous help. Our old boss um, actually, you know, became our mentor, which was nice. Get out, get out. Yeah, it it was a, uh, it took a while, right, for us to get to that point. But he's still a tremendous resource for us to this day because he has, you know, 20 years of experience. Um, so I think having a mentor is is a tremendous is a tremendous help. All right. Number two, who is a non-celebrity black woman entrepreneur who you would want to switch places with for a day and why? Ooh. Okay. I would go for Partake Foods, Denise. Okay. Um yes. I have just enjoyed watching her journey um, and what she created and how she created it and the scale that it's at now, um, just with her being in so many retail stores and continuing to have these really cool partnerships like Ben and Jerry's recently, you know, and still being able to innovate on something that is a classic that's been around for a while. Um, So I think it would be cool to switch places with her um, and just to kind of understand, you know, what's happening behind the scenes at Partake. Oh, yeah. Denise is coming back to the show. She was on in the early days and we have a lot to chat about now. (laughs) A lot has happened since then. Um, Number three, what's a non-negotiable part of your day these days? Um... I think it would have to be eating dinner with my family. Um, The days are really crazy and hectic. I am up early and out the door. Um, My husband is, you know, does school duty. So I miss a lot of the morning routine. Um, But definitely one thing we always make sure to do is is eat together. So I think that would probably be my non-negotiable part of my day. Um, And what do you think, number four, what's a personal habit about you that's really helped you significantly in business? 
I would have to say it is the the ready aim part of me. Um, yeah. I'm willing the ready to shoot. probably take yeah. the ready shoot. Thank you. The yeah. ready shoot part of me. Um, uh-huh. I will. I am probably more of a risk taker in business than I am in everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, which is different. Um, I take some risks, but I really do. Now that it is our own company and it's my baby, I know that there are certain things in certain areas that I've just got to push through, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if we want to get to where we're going. Yes, I can so relate to that. I am definitely a risk taker more in business than in life. Um, (laughs) That is so, I've never heard it articulated that way, but it's, I totally relate. And then finally, number five, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck? Um, Losing the steady paycheck will be uh, the hardest part, but really just create a plan. Um, For me, I didn't necessarily have the full opportunity to get the plan together. Um, The rug was, you know, kind of essentially snatched from under my feet when I got laid off. Um, But I'm grateful for that. Um, Plan. And then just try not to have any regrets um, and know that every step that you're taking may not in step one get you to the end goal, but it is a step in the right direction. Um, Nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. I'm still making mistakes to this day, but being able to learn from those mistakes, um, figure out how to pivot, I think is, is another really big one is understanding here's where I am, here's what happened. How do I pivot Absolutely. here again? Um, <laughs> just go for it. Um, yep. Just just do it. You know, like I said, the clothing business, ready aim. I mean, ready fire. Ready, ready fire. fire. It was a ready fire. And you, failed, lived, right? you lived to tell the tale. Listen, you got to try different things. How would you know that? Hey, you know what? I, I don't think the online boutique thing is for me unless you start the online boutique. <laughs> Still got clothes in my closet and in my attic. To this day, from that's that all right. <laughs> Go on vacation. That's all right. Exactly. So, with that, Len, where can people connect with you, Jerica, and Everlasting Love after this episode? Yeah, you can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at have dot everlasting love. Um, our website is also have hyphen everlasting love dot com. All right, guys, and there you have it. I will talk to you next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.